within a bleak and dismal swamp, hidden beneath its murky waters, lies the headquarters of the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Doom. Hey, Jason here. So you're going back to 5e, huh? No? Come on now, it's what your players want. I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah, just, and you definitely don't need me to tell you this. You're plenty experienced. You just have to be careful that that NPC doesn't become a GM NPC. Or, you, you know what I mean? You, you don't want that NPC to overpower the players and, and you know, do too much and, and steal the spotlight from the players. So that, that's the big that's the big danger doing something like that, you know? If, if maybe they had hirelings that kind of rotated through, I, I don't know, that might be easier. Or not easier is the wrong word. That, that might lessen the, the desire to do that. Just, just be, yeah, be careful not to take their spotlight away with the NPC or I, I don't know. But like I said, you already know all this. I, I'm, I'm just preaching the choir. So talk to you later. Hello and welcome to Camping with Owlbears. I am the Lonely Adventurer. Yeah, it's funny, Jason, that you uh, say I'm going back to 5e. That's actually literally what I did this morning. Uh, not with the group I've been talking about, but with a couple of guys from my op open uh, table gaming group. Uh, I took the first four that replied to our, our group text and said, I will run you four through a small 5th edition game. I've just been having the itch to play 5e uh, lately, and I haven't been able to scratch it. So, yeah. Uh, we got together Saturday morning. Not sure that Saturday mornings are really going to work out. I had one player duck out at the last minute last night and uh, because he's got two small children, so Saturday morning is kind of the worst time for him to play. And two of the remaining players also have young kids, so uh, we're not 100% sure that this time slot's going to work for us, but if I'm running the game, that's really the only time I can do it. Um, my wife is home in actual quarantine. Uh, she looks like she has the COVID-19 virus. Um, waiting on the actual test to come back, but she's got all the symptoms and she's been having, uh, you know, just going through the flu like we all have in the past uh, for the last week or so. And once she returns to work, though, at the hospital, she's got to get up at 5 a.m. and uh, I can't be up late at night running uh, a game while she's trying to sleep uh, since my studio is now in my living room. It's um, kind of off to the, the side of the living room. And I'm standing literally seven feet uh, from the head of our bed when I'm at my computer right now. It's in the, the most awkward space between at the intersection of the, the two bedrooms, the bathroom and uh, the living room itself. Uh, but it's the only place in the apartment where I can set up. Uh, I work on a large uh, Cintiq, uh, a Wacom Cintiq drawing tablet. And uh, lighting around these things is always interesting because if you've got a a light source directly above you or next to you that's all you can see on the screen you can't see the work you're doing it just reflects back at you and it's extremely distracting and our uh, our loft is uh, set up in such a way that it has a large uh, I think it's five feet by four foot skylight in the center of the room so it's great natural light um, but trying to figure out where to set up my computers uh, to, to be able to use them was a, was a challenge and so they are where they are uh, so who knows? Uh, hopefully this game will be successful. It might take us a while to find a time slot that actually works for everyone, or maybe I will be able to return to my regular studio space and I can run it from there whenever. But uh, today was kind of a session zero. 
one of my players has never played 5th edition before. In fact, he's very new to role-playing games in general. He, uh, we started him off, we did a kind of a, a micro-campaign in Tiny Dungeons, which is a nice, simple 2D6 system. Great if you're looking to introduce uh, young players to role-playing games. Um, then we moved on to a couple games of the Black Hack, uh, and then I ran uh, one or two sessions of Glaive slash BX, and now we're jumping into 5th edition. So uh, a good chunk of the morning was uh, getting on Zoom together, uh, screen sharing, and walking him through the D&D Beyond experience, uh, which is, I think, is an excellent experience, actually, considering all of the little fiddly bits that are involved in making a 5th edition character. Uh, doing it by hand on paper, I find is a bit tedious and not confusing, but there's a lot of page flipping and uh, hunting hunting for information if you're doing it with physical books. But D&D Beyond just kind of walks you right through that. This episode, by the way, is, of course, sponsored by the lovely folks at D&D Beyond. <laughs> I wish. But, um, yeah, so we walked him through that. Uh, he ended up making a wood elf rogue, of which I thoroughly approve. One of my favorite kind of archetypal characters to play with. And uh, that took a bit of time, and then we set up roll 20, and since I didn't know what adventure we were going to be playing, uh, we didn't, it was mostly just kind of uh, metagaming, establishing why the different characters knew each other. So we have a, the wood, a, a wood elf rogue, a, uh, a turtle monk who his background is as a, as a sailor, so he's decided he is a pirate. And a dragonborn uh, fighter who is uh, the noble background. So uh, uh, your typical disparate <laughs> D&D group having a session zero didn't do us any favors. Um, but we were able to all tie it all together. I, I gave them two options. I just recently purchased the uh, the new D&D Essentials kit. Uh, Amazon had it for, I think, about 16 bucks. But then there's a little coupon tag you can click in there. And it drops it down to under $12 and free shipping with Prime. So, yeah, you get a lot for your money. Uh, I think the basic rules as presented in D&D Essentials is even better than the version you got with the starter set. You get a kind of a sandboxy adventure, which I really like. I guess uh, Lost Minds of Phandalin is also fairly sandboxy. I've read it, but I haven't played it. Um, but this one is like you're still in Phandalin, and uh, the basic setup is adventurers come to town there is kind of a quest board uh a job board which i like it kind of uh did something similar in keep on the borderland uh and it kind of it kind of had a little a nice little nod to that i thought and it's set up in such a way that uh, the first level characters show up there are three quests that they can choose to do and then once they complete at least two of them three three new quests appear and by that point they're level two uh, and basically every time they level up three new quests appear and each time they do two of them they they, they hit another level and eventually it, it does kind of create a narrative and there's a dragon to fight at the end and all that. But, uh, yeah, so you, you get a bunch of really great cards, uh, magic item cards, uh, a bunch of sidekick cards. Sidekicks is a great little mechanic that they've kind of brought in where if you're, you've only got one or two people to play with, you can just give them a sidekick to control. And it's, uh, yeah, it's basically an NPC, player-controlled NPC. And, uh, yeah, you, a nice set of dice comes with a full set of dice, 2d20s, 4d6, uh, and then all the other standard dice, and a uh, pretty good GM screen. Uh, the quality of it is low. It's just cardboard and kind of flimsy, but the information that is on it is just, it's everything you actually need. I, w I wish it was, uh, this is what came with the uh, the core book box set, uh, and it's also a nice height. It's uh, It's only about 
well, I don't know, eight inches tall, seven, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it's kind of half as tall as a standard uh, Dungeon Master screen. So it's enough that you can kind of conceal your notes and maps and whatnot, but it does not uh, prevent you from making eye contact with your players. Uh, yeah, so definitely well worth uh, the uh, 11 bucks and change. Oh, and you also get a uh, code that you can plug in on D&D Beyond that gives you the D&D Beyond version of the Essentials Kit as well as two, uh, two more adventures. So the box set it will take new characters from level 1 to level 6, and then the, t- the remaining two adventures will get you all the way to a level 11. So definitely uh, $11 and change well spent. Unfortunately, we're not playing that. Uh, one of my players had actually also purchased the, uh, the Essentials Kit, I-, I think with the intention of playing it with his sons. So the other option I had on the table was... Uh, an adventure I ran. It was the first D&D adventure I ever ran about a year and a half ago with my original group uh, called The Reavers of Harkenwold. And it's one of the best little adventure modules, I've published adventure modules I've ever seen from Wizards of the Coast. It's, uh, it's a fourth edition product and it came out later in the product life of 4E, I think as part of one of their essential box sets. And so a little background on that. Uh, so in 4th edition uh, Forgotten Realms was not the assumed setting of Dungeons & Dragons they gave you kind of a generic uh, points of light uh, wilderness and uh, they talked a bit about this place called the Nentir Vale as an example but so many people liked the example that it ended up getting uh, a bit overdeveloped in uh, later products uh, kind of turned into a, its own little version of Forgotten Realms where you can't uh, swing a dead dragon without hitting a, some kind of crazy monster uh, hideout or band of quirky thugs or whatever. Yeah, so, But in its earlier versions, in its uh, stripped-down versions, it was just the right amount of uh, spooky, unmapped wilderness with a couple of interesting things to go explore. And... Uh, the Reavers of Harkenwold is just set in one corner of this valley, and it is a sandbox uh, kind of adventure, which sounds really strange to associate with 4th edition, but uh, there it is. The basic premise is that this barony has been taken over, uh, invaded and uh, conquered by uh, this mercenary band, and the players are going to uh, become part of the resistance and uh, overthrow the, the evil mercenaries. And, but the sandbox part is they get to choose how they go about doing that. It lays out a couple of uh, things that have to happen and, and uh, objectives to hit, but uh, whether or not those things actually happen is largely up to player agency. They can either jump right into the, the resistance itself and start uh, raiding mercenary uh, Iron Circle mercenary supply caravans and ambushing patrols, uh, just stirring up trouble in the towns and uh, raising the morale of the populace of the barony or they can head out into the hinterlands the fringes of the barony where there are allies to be uh recruited they themselves are under pressure from uh allies of the iron circle mercenaries so if you can relieve pressure on those groups they will then uh, theoretically uh join the cause and the whole thing kind of culminates in a big battle and uh, storming or sneaking into the castle and rescuing the baron and whatnot and it's it's just a nice it's just a real good adventure um i'm sure there's pdfs of it out there on the internet and you could run it in anything i i I 
like I said, I'm running it in fifth edition. I could easily run this in OSE as well. Um, it's just a really nice setup with just a bit enough structure to it uh, that uh, I think it works out great. So we'll see if we're successful uh, getting through this all the way. As an added side bonus for me, uh, the first time I ran this game, or this adventure, I, I purchased the maps from the uh, the artist of the maps. Uh, he, I, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, and I'm I'm out and about. So, okay, I'm home now. That artist is Mike Schley, I believe it is. It's a uh, Prince dot dot com, M I K E S C H L E Y dot com. So I bought the, all of the Harkenwold maps with the intention of printing them out and using them at the table with my, my old group. Um, and then I discovered it was going to cost me too much money to print them out uh, at, at actual size so we could use them as uh, battle mats, basically. So that, uh, that plan got torpedoed, but uh, it's getting a second life now since we are forced to play on Roll20. Uh, I'm just uploading all that stuff now to... Uh, to use on that product so yeah i'm super psyched about that and my other group we did play last night that was a lot of fun we had one person have to drop out uh, they needed they had a friend who needed some help with some something and uh they were unable to make it but um most of the group was there and i kind of reset the scene that i talked about last uh podcast where they were uh witnessing some kind of ceremony between the, the leadership of the uh, Bevenberg Keep that they are based out of and uh, giants come down from the Jotun mountain ranges uh, at this solstice ceremony, kind of a, a ritual exchange of gifts and uh, reaffirming treaties and, and uh, bonds of friendship and whatnot. Uh, although that's all going to go sideways in a little while, but they don't need to know about that yet. Um, and they were being kind of held back from the ceremony by a ring of guards who were keeping all the villagers at the edge of the village um kind of you know cops at a parade uh holding back uh, onlookers so the parade can go by and the villagers do not like the player characters they had uh hired a, sm a young woman from the village to be their lantern bearer and she died horribly and stupidly in the tomb of the serpent kings um it was kind of a great moment, but the way the players handled it with the family of the, the kid afterwards uh, was not so great. Um, so I kind of had, as they were watching the the, uh, the ceremony, the villagers started noticing they were there and kind of uh, you know, whispering and, and uh, talking behind their backs. And finally some old lady just kind of came out and confronted them um, about the nerve they had for showing their faces in, in, in town. Um, so yeah, we kind of forced a bit of role-playing, uh, kind of talked about it in a meta sense also, um, kind of, uh, it's funny, my, <laughs> my wife is one of the most empathetic, uh, people I have ever met in my life, but when we play role-playing games, she is one of just the biggest jerks to NPCs you'll ever meet. Um, I don't know, maybe that's part of the fantasy for her, just getting to be an a-hole. Uh, when she feels compelled not to be one in, in real life. But uh, uh, they eventually ended up uh, spinning a tale of how the, the young girl had actually died saving all their lives. And uh, uh, my wife's character, the, the dwarf, actually sang a lament in Dwarvish. Um, although, according to her, she was just reciting her grocery list, her laundry list. But since none of these villagers spoke Dwarven, they didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, they basically completely turned... Uh, uh, 
had the villagers reassess how they felt about the players and kind of uh, uh, left on a nice positive note. And then we were off to the uh, the guild merchants hall where they had some role playing with the uh, uh, the leader of the guild hall, whose son they were recovering, and uh, that was interesting. They had he was he was in league with the, the cultists, so they had him tied up and bound with a sack over his head. That was awkward. They also still had the cult leader herself uh, in tow, also bound and gagged, uh, not even gagged, uh, one of the mages, she, uh, Belladonna the halfling, cast a uh, web at her face and just basically Spider-Maned up her head. Then they put a sack over it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, things were a bit a bit awkward with the, uh, the guildmaster, but they got through it, they got their map, and uh, then headed to uh, Bale of Hopper's uh, tower, where they uh, had a fairly successful interaction with him he summoned the the cleric who runs the local uh, temple in town and they took the cultist into custody uh, at which point they uh, visited morty's uh, wild magic emporium which uh, didn't exist until yesterday uh, but it's basically a place where they can go and you know barter and, and sell their the treasure that they get for actual silver coins that they can spend on carousing and whatnot uh, and so we had a lot of fun with Morty. I basically, I think I said this last time, but I did him as a Billy Crystal as the old wizard who used to work for the, the wise man who used to work for the king in the, return, uh, in the Princess Bride. Um, so we had some fun with that. They were curious about selling the, uh, the owlbear carcass. Um, and he knew a guy. He knows a guy who knows a guy. And he's going to basically butcher it and make a nice rug out of it for them. But they were all very upset by this. They really wanted to befriend this owlbear. So I had uh, the the merchant basically say, uh, Morty Trufflebump, kind of said, oh, it's a shame, uh, shame there weren't any eggs in its lair when you killed this thing, because those are worth a fortune. Uh, so now they've got it in their head that they've got to go find the lair of the bug, the bugbear, the owlbear. Uh, and see if there are any eggs in there that they can take home, hatch, and raise on their own uh, because they just want to put saddles on them and ride around on owlbears, which, I, you know what, fine, who doesn't, right? <laughs> uh, so, once again, the main adventure of going to the Lost Dwarven Stronghold of Kundrakar is on pause as we return to the scene of the fight with the owlbear to start figuring out where its lair is, and we're doing that tomorrow, so I have between now and tomorrow to uh, come up with something uh, it was three hours of role-playing last night. Uh, everyone, myself included, was exhausted. They were a little grousy about uh, not getting to kill anything, uh, but we then got to roll on a bunch of random tables for carousing, spending silver on philanthropy, and uh, two of the players had leveled up last time, and so we rolled on the random background-generating table, which is a lot of fun. I got that off of a 10-foot polemic, a great OSR blog. It's basically just a... a since characters don't last that long in old school games, why come up with a background uh, at the start? It's only worth investigating as they survive. So uh, it always introduces a new and interesting twist into the character's backgrounds that the other players get to decide on. Uh, and in some cases, uh, you know, it always leads to some sort of an interesting twist. Like the, uh, it was determined that the halfling wizard was, uh, uh, had a, in an old post, had abused her power and was a, a cunning and manipulative person and so she ended up getting a, bump, a plus one bump to her intelligence uh bonus out of that so that was cool um yeah so now i've got to come up with an adventure oh boy <laughs> uh, i know it's going to be wall-to-wall -wall, uh murder and mayhem because that's what they love and they certainly earned it they did really good with the role-playing um 
I think we had a good time and I was just honest with them. I kind of said, you know, I, th I feel like you guys are looking for a little more whimsy in your game. So we talked about how to get that and I am perfectly happy to do it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I wouldn't have Billy Crystal in my in my keep on the borderlands if, uh, if we weren't going down that route. So uh, definitely my world is enriched. And I think that will wrap it up for us this lovely Saturday afternoon. Safe gaming, keep your distance from people, enjoy playing games online, don't go out if you don't need to, says the guy who just went out for a big old walk. Oh, you, you know what? You can go out, just keep your distance. Uh, the park at the museum was quite full, and yet everyone was keeping at least 10 feet between themselves. Uh, I saw a circle of friends who were sitting out on the lawn, all with uh, ample spacing between each other, kind of just enjoying each other's relative proximity uh, <laughs> while doing their best to, uh, to self-distance. Uh, um, I think it is important if we can get out to, you know, you don't want to be trapped in the house completely. But don't do anything stupid. Wash your hands a whole lot and uh, cover your sneezes. I'll catch you guys later. Lonely Adventurer out.